Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Well, we're back. Here's the summer edition of Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 thing. <laughs> hey, that was a lot of energy coming out of the gun. I like hey, it. Well, you know what? I just drank some Diet Coke. I don't usually have a Diet Coke. Mike got a free Coke uh, from Qdoba today, and uh, that's feeling right. uh, that starts starts the afternoon off strong, doesn't it? You know, I can do I can overdose on caffeine, and I did yesterday, so I felt a little bit like um, squeamish. What do you call it? Tentative, tentative. Were you tentative? I was tentative at without the, caffe- with too much caffeine at the fountain drink machine you know what one of the greatest one of the greatest technologies that i've seen of late is that there are machines where you choose between like a hundred different yeah drinks you've been on those I, you know the fountain crazy drinks? it's crazy i mean imagine childhood with these things oh boy man you you yeah you pick your kind it's almost like family genus species right and then <laughs> particular and it has it right away I mean, immediately it starts pouring your Fanta or whatever. I don't get Fanta, but... I heard this phrase that I was not familiar with recently called decision fatigue. Father Brady tells me he gets decision decision fatigue. Does this happen to you? Too many times choosing Fanta or over Mountain Dew or were you just like, you just, you can't do it. Just like, I can't make any more decisions. No, you know what though? I guess, I think I have a different um, response. Father Brady, with all due respect just starts crying and sits down <laughs> whereas i just say i don't care random random i'll just take grape fanta see you were that kid uh growing up who put all the drinks like every soda and if you put root beer in it, it kills everything right? yeah that's right so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no you root learn beer, it, root beer is the is the alpha of all uh beverage choices it just wow. it takes all of the all of the tastes and puts them into root it beer takes every, does it taste like root beer at the end i think you so. got your you got your di- Dr. Pepper with your Mountain Dew and your Orange Crush, and then you put in the root beer, and then it all of a sudden tastes all like root beer? It does, yeah. That, that's my, my recollection from childhood. I have to confess I haven't had soda in a while. What about root beer? I haven't had root beer in a while. Um, Did you have a favorite? Uh, well, we would go on retreat, and you would get these kind of, you know, you would do things on retreat that you mm. never, we're going on retreat, you're going on a very long one, Um but I would always get a, uh, it wasn't a Dr. Pepper. It was called Mr. Better's or something. Oh, uh, Mr. Pibb. Not Mr. Pibb. Isn't it? This is like a very yeah, specialty like a root Pibb. beer that they sold in the Crestone market. Very hippie. Oh. But, so I have the nostalgic craft things like. root beer. It's like a craft root beer, exactly. Wow. And some people are, are into that kind of thing. But I don't know why people drink diet. Yeah. What, what's, what's the diet for you? Well, there's no calories. Okay. You want to be real fat? So you just like the sugar and no calories? I like the cold or and I mean bubbles. The cold and the bubbles. I like the cold and the bubbles. And I'm sitting in front of this thing, and it's like, well, do I get all the sugary yeah. Sprite? It doesn't have caffeine. Or do I get the uh, iced tea lemonade? That is pretty sugary. We were actually making fun I of that. I actually don't ever order. I didn't <laughs> I didn't want the free drink. It was awesome. We, we go to Chaos every Friday for lunch, All the a bunch of companion priests. And we're friends with a lot of the staff. Have been for a lot of years. We've been going to this great pizza place in Denver. Uh, Riley, uh, somebody ordered an Arnold Palmer. And he goes, you mean a iced tea lemonade? Yes. And everybody ordered iced tea lemonades because 
you're you're yes. you're calling it out. You're like Ar- Arnold Palmer does not deserve his own yeah, drink. Why does he get the? He appropriated a perfectly normal half and half iced tea lemonade, and you're 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 bringing it back. You're a I'm culture, sure it's he a was, cultural shift. You think Palmer was the first one to to order the half and half? Well, you think John Daly was the first to put vodka in it? That's what I'm talking about. Or or Roy Collins, what's his name? Roy <laughs> Roy Rogers, Rogers. <laughs> the Randy Collins, Shirley Temple, Shirley Temple. You think Shirley was the first one with strawberries in her mind? Well, I feel like you gotta you gotta take a stand against all of them. You can't order a Shirley Temple or a Roy Rogers or a John Daly. All right, I don't I don't care. I will. What about old fashioned? I'll take I the guess challenge. those are not. It's just personal names when people. Yeah, appropriate. I don't mind. You can call it Manhattan. That's cool. Denver omelet, great. The uh, but but the real thing is Arnold Palmer. That's that's your Arnold Palmer. No, the problem is that my sister got it in my head that it's hard to say Arnold Palmer. Arnold <laughs> now, Palmer. No, I can't do it without saying Arnold Palmer. <laughs> and so I look like a fool, and I don't want to. I say Arnie, but I don't even like Arnie. Of an Arnie. I like uh, iced tea lemonade. Of an Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. <laughs> you can't. Now everybody, like, yeah, listener land, you're going to know that somebody's that's on, really, the, on the J10 uh, initiative because they fun. can't say, oh, Making problem. me cry over here. That's really funny. I, I, I'm going to be very nervous next time I order a yeah, iced tea it. lemonade. Once it's in your head, man. That is funny. Well, uh, I got a couple of randos. Okay, go. Can I give you the randos? Go rando. Before we jump in, jump in. I don't, I hate that we have the same terminology all the time. Why don't we jump in? You and I? Jump in. What is that an analogy of, by the way? Is it a pool? Jump in? I think we're jumping in is to it the a deep pool? end. Is it a we're gonna slip dive and slide? In? The deep end. Okay. Deep end. Um, cliff diving. You ever done that? Uh, I have. Yeah. Kind of moderately. Not nothing like Did you awesome. dive or jump? Jump. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it takes a special Cliff jump. Point. Yeah. Okay. So the one is, I thought about you the other day when we, it was Mother of God- feast mm-hmm. uh, mother of the church our lady mother of the church right because you're a big fan that's a great devotion and everything but it was particularly i wanted to point out because i i don't know if you caught this but i was reading the the office of readings lumen gentium what is it number six seven seven yeah the end oh chapter eight of is the mary is mary in the church yeah okay chapter eight sorry and my breviary i don't know the translation but my breviary said Mary, the noblest of the companions. The noblest of the companions. Of Christ. Oh, I didn't know Yeah, that. what do you think? I like it. I want to get an icon. Mary, the noblest of the, the companions. The noblest of the companions. Just make sure you get that straight, because that's kind of like Arnold Bulmer, the noblest, <laughs> noblest of the companions. Noblest of the companions. It's true. It's a mouthful. Okay, second one. Oh, that's very nice. That's I, just I like that. a cool title yep, that noblest I, of the companions. I thought works for us. And then the other one was I just got surprised by i go into uh, saint elizabeth for daily mass i hear voices up the hall and they're laughing and having a great time sounds like a party usually it's the the focus missionaries mm-hmm. and they but they're on, they're gone for the summer i knew that so i was like i'm going to check out this party and so i go over there well it's a youth group from bismarck north dakota oh yeah and you know who walks up Father Josh Eli. Josh Eli. Out of nowhere. That's amazing. You know, you just run into an old friend from the Casa, great priest from Bismarck. I met his dog, but he was out when I was in Bismarck two oh, weeks ago. Right? He's got a nice dog. He's staying at your place. Did you know he that? He is, yeah. Yeah, Usterman's hosting him. Okay. I just, 
it was all kind of a surprise to me. And I thought, wow. At St. Elizabeth's. He was at St. Elizabeth. I mean, they weren't there for mass. They were just there. I think we have like this epic um, sandwich line. So they serve the poor sandwiches and soup and everything every day for 80 years. Wow. Every day. It's awesome. Wow. And it's just a great production. So uh, they've been here kind of exploring... Denver and the different service Christ options. And, Christ in the City stuff? Or? Christ in the City. I think they spent like a few hours with them. Sweet. And did one of their events. And so they're kind of bouncing around doing different stuff. And Love it. I'm going to cut out of our uh, pizza Friday, Arnold Primer, Primer. and uh, give them a tour of the Cabrini Shrine. Oh, nice. So I got to leave a little early after. There's a pizza there called the Smokestack. It's the best pizza in the world. It is the best pizza in the world. It's like a bacon and goat cheese goat cheese poblano it's the poblano oh man how are we gonna get through this poblano peppers it's the poblanos right yeah it is so good it's amazing and then they're wood fired yeah okay so that was it that was all noblest of the companions and josh Josh eli Eli. out of nowhere love it very interesting facts here so when this this podcast comes out you're going to be in the depths of silence is it yeah i don't know we're kind of recording ahead we're catching up. We're kind of getting ahead here because Father Mike is doing a thirty-day silent retreat, which is that's the you are the noblest. You're the, the second. Companions. You're the second noblest of the companions at present because that's a really amazing pilgrim thing to companion with Mary. I'm so stoked. You know, yeah. Wouldn't you like to do it? I would. Yeah, I would. I think the timing's got to be right, and uh, I'm doing an eight day. I'm going to be praying with you. Nice. Uh, in silence, but uh, in a different place. So. I mean, eventually, you know. Yeah. It's a tradition, I think. Yeah, I don't want to speak on behalf of the Jesuits, but as I understand it, they eventually do a second Ignatian exercise. Right. So you do it in the novitiate. Now, how do you think it works for something like the election? Uh, I mean, are you going to renew your election? He has, uh, in the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius, he has the election and all of that and how to make an election. And then there is a, there is a, page it's this is what i usually go back to on the eight day is uh what he calls an amendment of life amendment or reformation of life so for those who have already made an election into a state of life a la us or other people married people or anybody who's in uh then this is about the the amendment how do you want to live differently Mm. in the decades to come Mm. so in the in our seminary we do a 30-day silent retreat uh in at the end of your first year so the guys are on it right now. They, uh, they're they finishing it up in June. And uh, we did it. You did it in 2004, if I'm not mistaken. And I did it in 2005, which is crazy. Is so yeah, you're coming up on... 20 years. Almost 20 years. Imagine That's that. good. That's a good, good it's time It's a good marker. It. I think, I mean, there's like circumstances in life of um, kind of like my assignment is a little bit limbo or flexible right now. So it's a nice time to be able to you know, find the space for that. There's some inconvenience for the the pastor, and so I'm very grateful. Father Sam Moorhead, you're the boss. He is you're, the boss. You're awesome, and thank you for the space. And then Father Angel and the bishop here, yeah. you know, all gave permissions for me to do a month, and I think it's just great. I mean, I think the Lord paved the way. I asked uh, if I could do this, I think I've told you this, in Spain and mm-hmm. other places, Indonesia, where were you going to yeah, go? Yeah, Malaysia, Malaysia, South Korea. And <laughs> none of them could accommodate this particular time for the exercises. But then there was one place in San Jose 
this Jesuit retreat center there, and they basically conduct the exercises in the exact dates that I, you it's know, perfect. that I had available. Yeah. So God's will, um, you never know what to expect, you know? You don't, yeah. That's part of the fun. It's yeah. adventurous. Yeah, it is. Retreats, and I'm looking forward to the adventure. Well, we look forward to hearing how it goes. So I, I am Do you have reading... a favorite meditation to make? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. I love meditation on the two standards. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a classic, super, it's just so uniquely Ignatian. You're going into battle with Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and speaking of battle and night errands, I am reading Don Quixote this summer, oh, and uh, we're going to punt the podcast on that one until I finish it. It's going to take me a little while. It's a thousand-page book, but I'm very interested to do that with you. Uh, I can't wait. Because that's your guy, and you know Cervantes, so I'm looking forward to that, but that'll be later in the summer. Are you enjoying it thus far? I am. It's very funny. You're a little ways Very in. funny, yeah. All right, well, can I t- transition to the topic can i jump in the jump in the deep end dive in pivot that's as what I it was were making fun of people always saying pivot oh, everything's yeah. everybody's I'm pivoting everywhere pivot. a lot of pivoting so you're gonna pivot into is that topic. a basketball thing i think i don't know they're watching joker you know yeah, the joker that the nuggets can, are winning winning so everybody's pivoting that guy can pivot the best of them. there are like kind of podcast cliches yeah. and i feel like pivot's one of them i hear people saying that talk and i, I need to not go on to this Again, because I already talked about this uh, on another podcast, but it's just like every, all of a sudden everybody started saying the word pivot. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, these things catch on because people get bored with jump in. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm <laughs> they got bored with bodacious. Remember when Glenn would always used to, we lived to the priest, he'd always talk about everything was bodacious. I'm going to have my own. <laughs> Is it going to be like the rocket? Let's take off. Let's take off. No, that one's lame. Uh, <laughs> I'll explore. Okay. I'm reading a book called Loris. Ah, yes. L-A-U-R-U-S. It's, I should have it here. It's a, a Russian author who's alive and writing, and but it reads like a Dostoevsky mm-hmm. or a Tolstoy, kind of epic, poetic. Um, the prose is very um, earthy. Like there's something of, you can smell the ground and the trees and you can sort of feel the texture of the air and his description of the animals it all sets a scene that allows for the character to be very grounded and they you just a part of nature and then the the story itself requires this character to be um just like walking through the world as something worldly not not worldly in a sense of like wrapped up in media or something. It takes place in the Middle Ages at the time of the plague. And our protagonist is a um, is a healer. You know, he was born even as a kid. He's got these kind of intuitions, almost mystical intuitions on how to help heal people. And his prayers are answered for healing for people. And his, I think it's his grandfather. I got to remember the beginning. His grandfather, who is a, who is a healer, so it's kind of in the family, and teaches him all the herbs and stuff. And it's fun because they have lots of like very odd um, remedies. It's not quite medicine today. Pfizer. Pfizer You're not going to no. get Pfizer pills right. and injections. You're going to get like frog guts and. It's Middle herbs. Ages, but they're also playing with some time stuff, right? So there's a little. I don't bit quite of, understand that exactly. Yeah, it's true though. There's some. 
time jumps, leaps. There are time leaps. Somehow, I think we went from the 1100s to America Vespucci. Yeah. You know, in the, what is that? 1572. When did Columbus sail the ocean? 1492. 1492. That's right. Vespucci. But yeah, so this is kind of weird. I don't understand that piece. Okay. I mean, it's interesting and fun, but I don't quite understand that. But the story itself is about this guy. Something tragic happens at the beginning of his life, and then he sets out on a journey to um, atone for what he considers to be his responsibility in a tragedy that happened early on. And, and then kind of a life that he of, of penance and of service that he owes to the folks who uh, suffered this tragedy. So he sets out and it's really fun, like kind of watching his um, adventures or misadventures, not exactly Quixote because you're not supposed to laugh at them. You're supposed to think about them. And I guess Quixote, you could say the same thing, but it's more about entertainment. The, But he goes on a journey, right? So he sets out, and at first he's led to just healing people. And he kind of like leading, the, the leadership is almost like providence. It's like God brings things to him mm-hmm. rather than tells him with some voice, you know, here's what's next. But he, yeah, he goes through this sort of need to serve, experience that feels like he's atoning for things and then like penance in um russian style so he becomes a holy fool and so that, that part's really fun that would be my question back to the quixote thing because there's a lot of people who draw the line from cervantes to dostoevsky's the idiot mm, yep prince mishkin yep i i'm there and then and this does feel of the same line of the holy fools um yeah i don't know on that, although that i don't think thing. like but the healer part is really different, and and there's a kind of a yeah more of the, a gravity to the to the character into the story and totally. And then I also think that the the theme is not necessarily the same. Mishkin and Quixote didn't do anything wrong. In fact, that's like essential to their right. Interesting. Know, their the theme and their character that they're sort of the misunderstood and persecuted innocent, and they have the best intentions, and nobody else does, and they live absurdly within this world of mm-hmm. bad intentions and you're really taking this guy you're walking with him and you know he's helping or sometimes hurting the situation but after he becomes a holy fool and m- kind of moves on there's two books book of consolation and book of journeys in the um the structure of the novel and the, the book of journeys takes him on pilgrimage so he's going to go to jerusalem he's going to jerusalem to atone to make up for what he's done. And then in he's always telling himself that he needs to save the souls of the people that suffered this tragedy and that he lost and, and then his own soul. So he's on this journey to, you know, that's atonement is kind of like make up for things in order to have salvation, sort of set things up with the judgment. The, the Russians, from my impression with this and other works, they don't have this like real systematic kind of um, soteriology that is like a system of theology that explains how salvation and judgment work. So you kind of never know where your soul stands rather than ours is very technical. Mm-hmm. Did I commit a mortal sin? Then I go to confession. Then I 
you know, if I, if I haven't, then I know I can expect some purgatory possibly, or, you know, like we just have all these very clear expectations. Whereas this is more like, you know, how do, have I grown and converted and, you know, how can I serve the people on the other side? Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? And you're just far less clear about, you know, what's going to happen. And, and yet there's this profound trust in God and, and in Jesus. So he goes out on pilgrimage and it's got me thinking about pilgrimage. People are taking pilgrimages. My parents have just gone on pilgrimage. Um, my housemates going on pilgrimage. Are you going with them? Where? To the Holy Land? No. Okay. So some of these guys are going to the Holy Land. And I'm going to the Holy Land of Colorado. Tell oh, yeah. you, Crested Butte. He's going on pilgrimage to Crested Butte. But uh, this podcast is maybe going to call into question whether that's, you know. It's definitely not a Holy thing. Land, but it is a beautiful same place. Thing. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. In the Middle Ages, there were three big pilgrimages. There were, and there was almost like a expectation that if you can, you go on pilgrimage to one of these great places. Almost like the Hajj, you know, the Hajj for the Muslims, that once in your lifetime you should go and visit one of the three holy places, Mecca, Medina, or Jerusalem. And so the part of the tradition of pilgrimage is that Christians should try to make it to Jerusalem, to walk the steps of Jesus. But Jerusalem wasn't always available. So a lot of times you had people who didn't want Christians coming around and you couldn't make it to Jerusalem or it was just too far away and hard to travel to. So then option two, you go to Rome. And uh, Rome was a holy pilgrimage site because it was the place of the death of the martyrs and kind of the birthplace of the church symbolically. I mean, technically, Jerusalem is the birthplace of the church. But symbolically for the West, this was like the blood of the martyrs creates the, the seedbed. Well, for and the Peter church. and Paul too. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Peter and Paul, who are the the apostolic leaders and missionaries. And then the third pilgrimage in Europe, Santiago de Compostela. Yeah, Santiago de Compostela. So I had been thinking about this, and I got this uh, this pilgrimage heuristic. You know, heuristic. Yeah. A holy heuristic. I love holy heuristics. The, so it's just a way of thinking about different types of prayer and what you can do as a pilgrim, even in your own home. Yeah? Okay, so first one, maybe, maybe we could say the pilgrimage to Jerusalem is to walk in the footsteps of Christ and some, something of a, this personal encounter with Jesus, to revisit the graces of that personal encounter and then to have this certain relationship developed to Jesus who walked this land and died and rose and all of the paschal mystery takes place there. So this one, you know, particularly relating to Jesus, maybe you could look at Rome, pilgrimage to Rome about growing in relationship with the church. You know, this is the birthplace of the church. We all have a relationship to the church. Once you have a relationship to Jesus, you have a relationship to the community of Christians. And maybe Catholics spend more time talking about the church, but it's such a necessary uh, reality that we belong to the church and have this relationship that we share with Jesus to the church. So there, you're going to Rome to encounter the saints, which are the kind of the model of the, the communion of saints being 
the uh, the mystical body of Christ and the, the church. Um, in some way, I I think it's an encounter with Mary and her spirit and her style. Anytime you know she's around, you got the church around, right? Right, love it. I've heard that. You've heard that, okay. And then Santiago de Compostela is another kind of feature of the Christian life, which is that was the end of the world. It's like a mission to the end of the world. So you're tapping into what is my personal mission and how do I serve? Jesus says, you know, I, that we're, our lives are for the sake of bearing fruit. And um, he sends his disciples out to the, to the ends of the earth. So there's something essential to the Christian life about mission. Um, so you got encounter with Jesus in Jerusalem. You got relationship with the church in Rome and then what's my mission to the agentes, you could call it, you mm-hmm. know, to the rest of the world. And these are all sort of essential facets of the Christian life. But do, are you are you on board with my threefold Yes, yeah, so if I'm following you, you're going to distill out kind of the essence of those three pilgrimage sites and now apply them to the home? Is that where you're going? Yeah, or just prayer. Prayer, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like it. I was thinking, I mean, I was already thinking about like, other ways of complicating it, like protology, history, and eschatology uh, as the three, the kind of the beginnings and the foundation, because Jerusalem being the ancient um, capital and Rome being the, the historical foundation of the church. This is where the apostles go, and this is, this is where it, it, it begins. The, center, the church is centered, the papacy is founded there, and then kind of the end times to the end of the world, mm. kind of the end of the apostolic era is James being martyred uh, first, but at the end, and, and them taking him back. So, yeah. But I like I like yours better. What was your your protology? Esch- history and eschatology. Oh, history. Okay, ecclesiology or something. But history. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So I guess you know, let the when you go into prayer, you can be praying about any of these three. And I think sometimes we get caught up in praying a particular way or praying about things in in such a limited way that you say, well, what, I don't know where to go with my prayer life. So these some of these facets can open that up and keep us from, I worry about young people. I'm asked about spiritual direction often. And I worry about young people, maybe not just young people, but a lot of people who go into prayer and more serious prayer, ending up with um, a solipsism, like a um, a navel gazing mm-hmm. of sorts. I'm just looking at my life. I'm trying to be a better person and I'm trying to well, like work out the psychology of that's broken and healed and sort of self assess constantly. And that becomes, I think that's, you know, like a facet of prayer, but it becomes so much for for a lot of people who get into prayer. And the culture really reinforces that. <laughs> you know, excuse me, everything is kind of about self-care, yeah. self-help, self-actualization. But Christian life is really about self-transcendence, right? It's about moving beyond. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a... What did they call it? There's a th- therapeutic... There's a... <laughs> therapeutic deism. Therapeutic deism, that's yeah. it. Right. And we can get trapped in there, even in our encounter with Christ if you go into meditation or mm-hmm. contemplation. and um, So what are some of the other options? Well, one is you pray about your mission. Lord, what have you called me to do? How can I serve? A lot of that's intercessory prayer. 
So like, who is it that I've been called to serve? Who are the people around me? Uh, who are the poor? And that's not as simple as the people on the streets. It's the people you live around, the people mm-hmm. at work. You know, um, Once you begin to recognize poverty, then you can sort of carry out a mission to those, those folks. You can pray about like, you know, who can I serve today? Like, how do I exercise charity? How have I and how, you know, how can I? And you're asking the will of God. So it's not so much like who do I want to or who am I bad at serving so much as God, you know, what do you want today? And uh, where can we go with this? And I think on, on a large scale, that might be something you go on pilgrimage. It's worth going on pilgrimage to say what is my, you know, big V vocation and like my mission in life. And that's such a, like a big question and so important for people. But even when, whenever we go on retreat, like an eight day, then we can be asking that question of like, you know, what is my mission and like, where do I, how do I exercise that? And where do you want me to go? You know, another way of framing it, the three sites, Jerusalem, Rome and Santiago would be, um, election, vocation and mission. Yeah. There you go. So election being the, 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 the choice of God, which is Christ, the son is the, the he's the chosen one. Um, but we we enter into him and we share in beloved sonship in the son. And, uh, but then vocation being the call to, to follow him. It's, it's kind of the, the subjective response to that election. And then mission is kind of the fruitfulness and the playing out of that. So another way of thinking of it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, that's the same. How would you help somebody understand the difference between mission and occupation? Because a lot of times we think, I, I would imagine that people who are uh, lay in the world are like, well, I don't work for the church, so I don't have a mission. I'm not a focused missionary. I'm not a priest. Or, yeah. How would you kind of flesh that out? And I think some people would say, I'm not sure about this kind of language, but they'd say my vocation is to be a dentist or, you know, I found my vocation in... Um, I don't know, a hobby of I don't know, what, astronomy that I, you know, share with people mm-hmm. or something. I'm not sure about that. I, you know, Jose Maria Escriva might be a good one to go to about the sanctification of the everyday and of work. I mean, he started the Opus Dei, the the work of God. Um, seeing, trying to see your your regular life and your your job as a, the the possibility of living out a Christian mission. But I think you got to pray more broadly than that. You know, it's it's life. A lot of times the mission is more about family life than it is about your work and um, maybe about your neighbors. Or I think people rush too quickly to, you know, s- service opportunities in the parish or like volunteer something. That could be part of it too, but um, I don't know. I don't want to just equate them, but I do think our life circumstances are important. So Sometimes your job is in some way providence yeah, and it is a, a venue for charity, the exercise of charity. Yeah. I think that sometimes we people, and I was talking to a guy who's a physical therapist friend a couple of days ago, Bob Cranny. And I, I used the language of, I was like, it's almost like a mission for you. Like, cause it's not just a job and that's a helpful way to describe it. But sometimes we think of like mission is just your an intensity by which I embrace my mm. job. And if I don't have that, then I'm not really passionate. And, um, and I think mission is a little different. Mission is ecclesial. 
mission is a sharing in the mission of Christ, the extension of the incarnation in history. And it, so it's, it's, a pos, it's a apostolic work. And mm. I like what you said, and I like how you live, knowing you for many years. Archbishop Shappy is also like this, just praying intentionally for the people you meet every day mm-hmm. and seeing that as part of the missions, the circumstances of everyday life, the conversations you have, the people you encounter, carrying them spiritually then into the life of prayer, into intercession, into your own in your own heart, in your mm-hmm. own life, instead of just, these are kind of a lot of times obstacles for getting to the things I have to do, and that's my mission or, or just being nice. Yeah, or just being nice. You know, yeah. Or doing your job well. That's important, but I think, you know, even something simple as like a mindfulness around, I am approaching my work as an opportunity to serve people in the world and exercise right. charity. I think, I mean, every job is, is, a work of service or, and, and then you can have that attitude or you can just say, Oh, this is I clock in and I clock out. But really, if you think about it, every, you know, every job that we get paid for is somehow serving someone, whether, you know, you're crunching numbers, serving, you know, ultimately helping people to get their paycheck or get a loan or whatever, or you're serving a burger at McDonald's. You could try to imagine how, when I worked at Wendy's, just how much they love this burger, man. Yeah, well, that was... What a gift. That was a mission for you, deeply <laughs> meaningful. But I think the lay state does distinguish between... There is a distinction within it of occupation and vocation in a way that is not like in priestly state. This isn't a job for us. Right. You know? And so... But that is a... Dis- and for most people, the occupation serves the vocation. Right. I do the job as the postman because I love my family and vocation kind of envelops the totality of the person. And I think mission also does. And that interplay is, this is, it's interesting. Interesting to think about. Yeah. And the money, yeah, the money, take care of my family and my, my own, and then take care of the poor. Yeah. It's like the opportunity for the Christian. Okay. So, um, you can bring that to prayer and just ask every day. It's a great way to pray. Get outside yourself. The relationship with the church I didn't. I haven't thought about this one as much. I really had wanted to go like focus on the Jesus side and Jerusalem side, but I do think in Rome you can be you can be asking like, how am I a child of the church, and what's my relationship? You know, do I honor my father and mother when it comes to being a part of the church? There's lots of frustrations being a part of this community, and there's questions of what does my loyalty look like. You can do that poorly. And just be, um, I don't want to say, it, it's not a sheep, but it's like I'm frustrated all the time because I feel like I'm being asked to follow rules and to participate in ways that I'm not always you know, stoked about. Like, why do I have to do this or that? Because I'm obligated to this community. Um, or you can see it as like, you know, this is the the, the locus for, um, carrying out charity. Uh, God has provided me a community for the sake of encounter with Jesus and with um, and sacraments as um, a kind of essential to the life of that community and this place where grace is found. So you can't do you can't do Christianity alone, and uh, and community is an essential part of that. So it's almost like. You can go into prayer in gratitude for the sacraments. You can go into prayer in gratitude for the people in your parish. You can, you can intercede for these folks. 
you can intercede for the bishops and the priests and um, remember the nuns, write a nice letter to the nuns. The There's all kinds of ways of sort of purifying my my relationship to this family and um, appreciating it, I think, deeply. And I would also say that a relationship with the church, if that feels kind of stiff and institutional, it's like... Um, think of it as a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because as St. Augustine Mm. says, the Holy Spirit is the soul of the church. Mm. As the body, as the soul is to the body, the animating principle, so too, he says, analogously, we can speak of the Holy Spirit as the soul of the church. So the church is a supernatural reality. It's It's the mystical body of Christ, but that's united in the charity of Christ. That's what the church is in their essence, is love, is charity, the charity of Christ. And we share in that in the order of grace but the Holy Spirit is is the binding and animating principle, and and oftentimes we don't speak enough about about the Spirit. That's beautiful, and we have that image of the the birth of the Church at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. You know that that's, right. that's where the soul you know enters into the enters into the body. I mean, there's other images too. You can have you know from the side of Christ, and you know at the the fiat of Mary, and all of these these different moments, but. Okay, and then we go to Jerusalem. So in Jerusalem, why do you go to Jerusalem? You go to Jerusalem, you go up to the temple to offer your sacrifices and uh, for various things. So here's some of the ways that you can um, encounter Christ in Jerusalem. You go to the, you go to the temple to offer sacrifices of um, Thanksgiving. So you just had a great crop and you want to go and you want to thank God. So that's the place. You know, you travel to Jerusalem just to, just to give thanks. You might go on pilgrimage in the ancient world and even today to say, I received some, you know, beautiful blessings and I want to thank God. So I taking a journey to do that is a great way to just um, not only show your appreciation, but to sort of uh, develop and contemplate and... Um, understand look at your life in a way that's full of gratitude so you're, as you're walking the steps you're looking at your life and saying wow you know god you have done great things for me and much of the christian life is about gratitude so the image that comes to my mind is that that uh is it the lepers who are healed and one returns and makes the journey back to jesus not all of them do but just to say thank you you know and that can be the pilgrim's way and it's certainly a way of of prayer. You know, you go into prayer, you say, uh, whenever we go to Mass, as we say, we pray together, the Eucharist is you know, Thanksgiving, a prayer of Thanksgiving. So that's one of the sacrifices. Another sacrifice you can do um, for forgiveness, it's like atonement. And the, um, yeah, you're saying you're sorry and you're asking for the grace of, of conversion or just expressing that, that sorrow and making a sacrifice. The, uh, the last one is just praise. You know, when you were going up to the temple in times of pilgrimage that Jesus made, you would sing the Hillel Psalms and the Psalms at the end of the Psalter, the five of Alleluia's, just going up to praise God, saying, you are wonderful. I'm coming here just to honor you because of all the things in the world, you are something that I want to draw attention to and I want to appreciate more. So I'm going up, for praise. I'm going to go to Jerusalem 
in honor of, of Jesus to walk in his steps, Jesus whose life was spent in thanksgiving and praise and in atonement for other people. So those are kind of three ways to focus on God rather than on myself. Beautiful. And I was just going to say the last one, we've talked about it before, but praise is, is one that we just forget because it's almost so simple. It's it's so childlike to just just to to just yeah to just praise to, and and we think of like praise and worship music automatically but just this notion of just of just glorifying God for the gift of His existence and that it is due Him as the perfection fullness of love. And I would love for my thirty day. I'm going whenever you go into retreat or prayer, even daily prayer, or you're going to mass on Sunday. It's it's a journey. It's a pilgrimage and it might be smaller, uh, but you can come with the same kind of attitude. I'd love to have 30 days of praise and I'm not going to force one thing or the other. You go to discover and in prayer and retreat, but that would be beautiful. I'm not just, I mean, part of it. Yeah. You want to go for some renewal of life and conversion. That's just part of the you know life of a Christian ongoing conversion. But, you can't just, well, prayer is not just that. And You're not going to just to get something. Right. Yeah. Right. If I give. just go to give to yeah. God, time, prayer, you know, joy, praise, Jesus, you're the great, you're, you're great, and let me tell you all the ways, you know, 30 days would be great. So, yeah, that's my encounter with encounter with Jesus, and that's your pilgrimage heuristic is... Heuristic. You can break it down to these very, you know, few categories so that you can assess your, your prayer life and say, okay, here's some different options. And each of those show up in the catechism if you want to review. Very nice. So that's the, yeah, that's the pilgrimage. Good. Off on uh, your times of prayer. Do you praise a lot? Not as much as I should. Or you could. Yeah. No, we I do louds every morning, uh, exactly. which means praise. And, and so... Praise is something proper to the morning, um, and uh, I, I living with you has helped remind me that. It depends how much coffee I've drank uh, usually, oh, man. but can I do a quick shout-out? Please do. Before we uh, wrap her up here. Um, shout-out to Lauren Harper, who's a podcast listener. What's up, lives Lauren? in Washington, D.C., and she is leaving for the uh, CL, Community Liberation Sisters, in July. Hey, so congratulations. she's joining the convent in Italy and just a... Sounds like just a really awesome woman. So grateful uh, for her. And uh, this podcast comes out right at the end of June. So I hope she hears it. Uh, but if not, we'll be praying for you as your uh, pilgrimage into religious life begins. Lauren is um, related to, is the same as Lawrence. So we are, uh, what do you call them? Like name twins. Name twins. Okay. And uh, I'm sure you got the spirit of St. Lawrence. Lawrence, the, Lawrence. The martyr and comedian you know yeah extraordinaire i want to shout out uh, teresa simeo who sent me a card for my birth no my anniversary priestly anniversary and she always includes this very uh, beautiful drawing of a vine yeah and a spiritual bouquet she's a very thoughtful woman oh very, yeah very, very sweet we always appreciate hearing from her so that's right. Okay, everybody, go and pray. Go God and bless pray. you on your pilgrimage of life. We will be back together. Uh, podcasts will be coming out each week through the summer, but Father Mike and I will reconvene together uh, after his 30 days. So keep him in your prayers and uh, have a great summer. 
And you've got the preview, so now you got to go read Quixote before that one comes. And out. La Rose, right? Then and Lauros. Oh, it's great read. And drink your Arnold Palmos. Oh, yeah. the- go get it, Arnold Palmer. <laughs> All right, thanks, Mikey. God bless you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>